from inside Memorial Stadium in the Huskers Radio Network studio. It's time for the Sideline Scoop with our Husker great NFL vet, Big Red Analyst, Jeremiah Searles. Here's your host, Jessica Cootie. Welcome in, everybody, into our final season mm. sideline scoop with the Searles. But I'm hoping that you want to keep this going because we're going to have lots of big news coming up in December. We've got signing day and then uh, obviously spring ball. But our last game to actually talk about. I know. No, we'll definitely keep this thing rolling. Might not be weekly, but we'll definitely keep this thing rolling because, I mean, it's Nebraska. You can talk Husker football 24-7, 365. So why not? Well, um, it's Thanksgiving and you're a big fan of Thanksgiving. I'm a big oh. fan of Thanksgiving. Um, what's your favorite dish? Stuffing. Stuffing. Stuffing is just unbelievable. Thanksgiving's amazing, like especially as a fat kid, right? You get, <laughs> it's fully acceptable, almost encouraged to overeat. And then you can sit on the couch and just watch NFL football. And there's a college game. And then you eat again. On. And then you eat again. And then you just kind of slowly drift in and out of consciousness for the mm -hmm. next two to three hours. And then you have leftovers. I mean, it's the fat kid dream. Were you always a fat kid? Always been the fat kid. Always <laughs> been the fat kid. So uh, Thanksgiving, you're a fan of. What about dessert? What's the dessert? Uh, pumpkin cheesecake bars. My oh. wife, my wife bakes these pumpkin cheesecake bars. I'm on a diet right now, but tomorrow, not happening. You've been feasting for been, or fasting, tomorrow, fasting tomorrow, for yeah, this I'm day. I'm gonna wake up in the morning, hit a nice Peloton, get a good <laughs> sweat in, and then it's on. I might do the pre weigh in, post weigh in, and see how much I can gain. You totally should. I'm going to for sure. Uh, that would be awesome. I'm guessing eight pounds. I think eight pounds is where I can gain. Well, it's kind of fun to be a part of this uh, rivalry uh, this time around. I know it's a tradition around here, so I'm excited to, to get to kind of take in some Nebraska football on Thanksgiving week. But uh, let's go back to Wisconsin. You you posted a tweet. You were just heartbroken. Mm. I mean, they just fought so hard and, again, came right down to the final play of the game. Yeah, I mean, to see our biggest concern we talked about on the podcast last week was, like, emotionally, where's this team at? Like, how much fight does this team have in them? And, man, they didn't flinch. They, they stepped up toe-to-toe -to -toe with the, one of the best, if not the best, defense in the country compared to Georgia and kind of had their way with them offensively. I mean, they were able to move the football. They were checking out of the stuff when there was blitzes coming. Stayed just committed to the run enough to keep them honest, but they understood, hey, aggressive linebackers, sneak your tight end behind them. Austin Allen has a monstrous day. Ture comes up huge for us, as he always does, and then Adrian Martinez delivered some really good balls there. And for him to be able to come out and battle the way he did in that second half and, and lead them down the field and almost score there was miraculous to see with how tough he is. But, man, it makes me really sad, the fact that he's not playing on Friday. How good was the offensive game plan? And, I mean, boy, they just picked apart, as you said, right off the bat. You know, Wisconsin runs back the kickoff return for a touchdown, and then you just see two big pass plays, which someone asked in uh, Facebook Live, are we going to see some big pass plays to Samori Toure? And you were like, I don't know about that. And then right, and it was in the first drive, he had you two know, big passes. I think that set the tone for like, hey, we're coming after you. Mm -hmm. Like, I think a lot of times when you play really good defenses, you almost have your offense play like, okay, let's feel them out and see what they're doing, and then we'll kind of adjust as we go. I loved the aggressive attitude by Coach Frost where he's like, nope, this is what we're doing. You guys can chase us the rest of the game. And they were. We had them on their heels basically the entire game. And it was from that initial tone set of down the field shot, down the field shot, Austin Allen shot. I mean, we just showed things that we'd been doing all year, but we just consistently stuck with them. We sprinkled in the option game in there. Adrian had a few good runs on the option game and then a few of the RPOs. And 
again, they just never got a beat on us. They would send pressure, we'd beat it. They would sit in coverage, we beat it. We just kept finding ways to beat them, and it was really, <clears throat> excuse me, it was really cool to watch. You were uh, chowing down some beef, some beef jerky, jerky. so you're all right. <laughs> yeah, I'm good. <laughs> we I'm need good. to take we're a pause. Over there. We're good. Um, you know, you had reported with Adrian at halftime that you weren't sure that he would come back. You kind of got a firsthand look as to how it all unfolded for him, and then to see him come back in and battle the way that he did. Just what was your perspective on the injury, what you saw on the sideline, and, and how he kind of came back and, and fought through it? Yeah, so when he went down on that third down when he threw it and he got hit and he actually landed on his stomach, um, I could see him kind of grimace. And as he got up and was coming off the field, he actually slammed his helmet down on the turf. And I was like, I don't see Adrian get like that emotionally upset or visibly upset on the sideline very often. Like, he must be really mad at a receiver or, or something. And then when he didn't go back in, it made sense to me he got hurt. Like, he was frustrated and he was angry that he got nicked up. Then you saw Smothers go in right before half. I asked Coach Frost as he came out of halftime. I was terrified to ask him, but I did. <laughs> I asked him, like, hey, are we? And he said he got dinged. And you watched him warm it up. You could tell he didn't quite have that same pop, that same zip that he used to have on the ball. But, man, he hurt his throwing shoulder. And to come out there and still deliver passes on the monies, to still move us down the field with his arm is – you can't take away the kid's toughness. I mean, you want you. want there's plenty of stuff you can whine about him – being a toughness guy, being a guy that loves his teammates and putting it all on the line, you can't question any of that for him. So, um, comes out, he's he's not available for mm. this game against Iowa. I mean, first of all, for Adrian, we don't know what his future is. I'm sure we'll, we'll hear sooner or later. But, um, you know, in that game, I think he became the uh, Nebraska's all-time leader for all-purpose yards. Just kind of what he's meant to this team, especially this year, too, and, and all the numbers that he's been able to put up the way he's fought. If that was the last game that we, we saw him play, what would you say about Adrian Martinez? I'll say this. Love him or hate him, he's set Nebraska on fire. I mean, I think that people from the word go when he was a freshman to – to what he's done and accomplished as a senior. And you gotta remember, he had a shortened season last year and he still's putting up all these numbers. He really was the main reason we won as many games as we did. And you can say he's the reason we lost as many games as we did, but I think that honestly, he put us in more positions to win than times than he lost, than we lost. And to watch the way that he's commanded, the way he's grown as a leader, handled being benched last year for Luke McCaffrey, stayed a great teammate, came back in, and, and just the way he's handled himself throughout all the adversity that he's gone through. He stubbed up to the podiums and never deflected blame. He stood up there and said, I need to play better. I need to do this better. And, and he's always been so stand up. I love that kid. I love Adrian. He makes me proud to be a Husker. He makes me proud that he wore the end, the same end that I wore. And he's part of a brotherhood that we always have each other's back. And I will defend that kid forever. Do you have a sense on what he might be leaning towards and if, when that decision might come? You no, know, I, I really don't. I, I don't know what his headspace is at. I mean, it could be in a million different places. I mean, there's really three options, right? He, he comes back, he hangs it up, transfer portal. Like, those are really the only three things he's got, and I'm sure all of that will be taken into consideration. Now you throw the injury to his throwing shoulder on top of it. Again, we don't know how serious it is, but that could play a factor in it too. So I think there's a lot of question marks right there and a lot more questions than answers for the moment. Well, one guy that did announce that he would not be coming back is Austin Allen. And, and we've talked about him a lot on this podcast about, you know, his potential to play at the next level. And, you know, this is a guy that, that loves wearing the in and loves being here. I'm sure it was a lot went into his decision as well, but how have you seen him kind of set up himself 
to be able to make this decision that he can, you know, go ahead and declare for, for the next level. Yeah, I mean, you watch Austin, again, you talk about a guy whose growth and development over the years has just gotten better and better and better. I mean, you talk about last year, Jack Stoll was the main guy, and then he gets nicked up game two, and it was really the Austin Allen show the rest of the way last year, and he stepped right back into that role this year. And, I mean, I think he's second in receiving yards behind Jake Ferguson in for tight ends in the Big Ten. I think that he probably – was mulling around do I come do I stay and has the monster game against one of the best defenses in the country against some of the best linebackers in the country and, and prove to himself I'm ready to take the next step and so much of going to the NFL is self-confidence you you can't have any doubt in your mind that you're ready to take that next step you can't walk into there with any hesitation it's balls to the wall full go or else don't do it at all type of thing and I think with Austin he gave himself that confidence last week. He's going to build it to have another good game against Iowa this week and use that to springboard himself into whatever bowl will be, NFL, Shrine, Senior Bowl, whatever. He'll land at one of those. And he's one of those guys that the NFL is either going to love or hate as a team-by-team -team basis. I mean, not everyone's going to be like, I want a 6-8, 255 tight end. Some teams just don't like it. But all it takes is one team to fall in love with you, as we've seen happen with a lot of guys. And I think he could have a long career in the NFL. Okay, so Austin, there's a pretty long list of guys that some of the guys that came back, you know, to utilize that COVID year, you know, some guys that will be opting out. I mean, just, you know, I asked you this on Sports Nightly, but take us through the emotions of what these guys are are, are going through. I, I sat down with Ben Stilley for the Cornhusker conversation this week, and, and he talked about how last year there was so much unknown, and they didn't know what the decision was. And so it was kind of um, – kind of an unsettling feeling going into the last game of the year because he didn't know, but now they're they're absolutely going into this knowing that it's the last time that they'll run out onto, onto the field inside Memorial Stadium. You had that luxury. What What is this feeling like that these guys are going through? It's hard. It, it's a lot harder than you think, and, and you don't really realize the gravity of it until you're actually walking through the tunnel, giving your head coach from you as Pelini, you'll give Coach Frost a hug, you run through the 90,000 are cheering for you and you see your family standing there and you're like, holy cow, like this is the last time I'm going to do this in any capacity, right? I mean, I've been back through that tunnel a hundred times. I walk out there still, but it's not the same when you're not a player. And it's one of those things that right before a game, you already got a lot of emotion for the game. And then you throw this on top, like it can be hard to navigate through, but every senior goes through it. Um, everyone goes, you, you try and channel that, nervousness that anxiousness that those emotions that you're feeling and really just kind of lay it out there like I want to have a really good last performance with the end on the side of my head and I really think that a lot of these guys that are walking probably know it is their last time and so I expect a big game out of a lot of them in a in a big game at that a big matchup with Iowa big mm -hmm. rivalry game you're you're uh, sporting your Iowa has bad corn t-shirt I love that that's kind of the insult that goes back and forth between Absolutely. the two. Iowa gets their corn from Nebraska. It's no secret. <laughs> they feed their corn to the pigs. Uh, so how much do you hate Iowa? I don't enjoy them. I, I, <laughs> I, I really don't enjoy their company, uh, mostly because I have a lot of friends in the NFL that played at Iowa too, and they've just been rubbing my nose in it since 2014. So I, I want to be – if we beat Iowa this week, win – we beat Iowa. All will be forgiven in this state. Like, <laughs> all of this whole season will be like, you know what? We beat Iowa on to next year. And that's really what it could take. And that's really a signature win like this could be what turns the whole program, right? And I think, I mean, Vegas saw it. We're the better football team when we're firing on all cylinders and we have our starting quarterback and our starting nose guard and, and all these things that are question marks, right? But you can kind of throw records out the window here for rivalry games this week. 
because it, it's so much of what's going to happen on a, a play-by-play basis, a series-by-series basis. And the last three years, this has been handled by a kick at the end of the game. So by no means does Iowa come in here and think we're just going to roll these guys because they haven't proven that they can. You mentioned it, no Adrian Martinez, uh, you know, so what's the key for Logan Smothers? What are your expectations for him? Ball security is job Job security. security. This is a defense that feasts on turnovers. They have the most interceptions in all of the country, I believe. And I know that helps when you're getting like seven at the beginning of the year, but this is something for Logan Smothers. They play strictly zone coverage. When I was doing my breakdown for them, it's a lot of zone coverage. They don't like to play man, and they're really good at baiting you into thinking there's a hole in the zone, and then they cover it really quickly, and they intercept that football. But a lot of it, too, is they have a good pass rush up front. Volkenberg, I think is how you say his last name, or 97, is a good pass rusher. Um, Seth Benson, their linebacker, is a really good player as well. And so they do a lot of unique things in the back end to, to confuse you. But Logan Smothers has to make good decisions with the football. And this offensive line has to understand, hey, you got to give him – if you gave Adrian two and a half, you need to give him three and a half. Like he processes things a little slower just because he's never seen them before. And he's never played a full game as the guy. I mean, he's come in for some things and done serviceable, but there's something different too when you prepare the entire week to be the starter versus just, hey, go, we got to roll. I mean, it's happened to me when I played. I had some of my best games when I just had to fill in versus when you have the whole week, the whole game plan, you're the guy the whole week. It can be a little rocky, but I mean, a big run game would help him a lot, but Runnings on Iowa is not very easy. So let's flip side of that Iowa offense. Um, they run it. They don't score a lot. But uh, what was it? What's the key for the black shirts? I mean, the big thing is they have one really good offensive lineman, and the rest are just kind of dudes. They're serviceable. They're not. They're nothing special, which is not what I'm used to looking at when I turn on the Iowa offensive film. I'm used to seeing guys like Tristan Wurst and Brandon Sheriffs and Tyler Lindenbaum's like all these dudes that are big time players in the NFL. They have one guy like that, and you look at the other guys, retro freshman, walk-on, retro sophomore. Like, I really think our defensive line can can dominate them on that side of the football. And so when you're talking about an offense for us that's struggling with a new quarterback, getting good field position is going to be huge. You're not letting them drive the length of the field, making that quarterback throw. I mean, Padilla is not a very – he'll throw the football to just about any color, so he'll, <laughs> he'll give it to anyone. Um, and, and But I really like our defensive matchup. I hope Caleb Tanner can be back. I don't know if he will be with the short week and the concussion protocol. Um, if that's what he has, I don't even know if that's what he has. But I would love to see him get a chance. But the big one, Damian Daniels can't play. Again, and you got Nash Hutchman, who's a young player that's going to be good going against – the best offensive lineman in the country, and Tyler Lindenbaum, their center, that could be a big mismatch for us. How big is this opportunity, though, you know, for some of these younger guys and, um, you know, to get an opportunity in a big game and to get some of that game-like feel, it's got to be big when you're talking about moving into the offseason and spring ball and then to the next fall. Yeah, it's huge. I mean, you're, you're talking about getting guys like Isaac Gifford and Gunnarsson and, and, and Ash Hutchman and, uh, I mean, just you can name them down the board miles farmer braxton clark all guys that are getting meaningful snaps i mean elante brown on offense that you need to have a benchmark of what you need to work on going into the offseason and if you don't play at all it's hard to know what that Mm -hmm. benchmark is you play one or two games and start one or two games it really gives you something to go into the offseason with a checklist of hey i need to get bigger I need to get stronger I need to work on my lateral quickness I need to work on how I read coverages or how I how I play press man or whatever's on that list 
you can look back on film and say, okay, here's why I need to be better at that. And that's really big for development when you talk about young players. So as much as we might take some lumps during the game with these young players, it will bode well for us next year as they continue to grow. What does it do for a team going into an offseason, coming off a win as opposed to a loss? It's just a huge momentum builder for the entire program. I mean, as much as showing up to winter conditioning after you get some time off with a little bit of juice because you're still remembering that high that it was to win your final game. And, I mean, I lost I lost three bowl games in a row when I was here. And I can remember it sucked. You just came <laughs> back to work and you're like, man, we should have won that game. Or why didn't – like – and you just kind of dwell on it. And it can be a good motivational factor. But when you win your final game, it gives you confidence. And it gives you confidence moving into spring ball that – what we did that last game was good enough to win. Let's build off of that. Instead of kind of we talked about during the year, what we did wasn't good enough to win. So maybe we have to do something new or maybe we have to try something different. And you just you build consistency through a program through wins. And so even ending a year with a win, whether it's your fourth win or your 12th win, it's still a win that helps propel you into that next season. And you throw on top of that that it's over Iowa. Yes, that helps. Too. <laughs> that always helps when you can beat little brother. Give us your players to watch offense, defense. You know, I, I think offensively, the guy that I want to watch is whoever's playing running back. Um, <laughs> it's a great question, right? Is it Step? Is it Marvin Scott got some playing time? I mean, we need to have a good run game. Um, we can't rely as much on, I mean, obviously the answer is Logan Smothers, but we can't rely on Logan Smothers. We need to rely on some guys that have played some football. Marvin Scott played really well last week against Wisconsin. He should be. He's fresh. Um, and then on the defensive side of the ball, I want to flip it back over to I want to see Miles Farmer have a little bit of a bounce back week. He played all right against Wisconsin. He missed some tackles. He missed some run fits. And uh, he kind of had some played like a young guy. Um, I'd like to see him have a bounce back week as one of those guys that's building for next year because with Dismuke being gone, Williams being gone, like – that safety spot's going to be a big choose to fill. And he's got some good work in this year, but I'd like to see him finish the year on a strong note. Give us a sneak peek of your three three big keys. Yeah, uh, number one, turnovers. I mean, that's going to be the number one key. I mean, this is a defense that when they turn the ball over a lot, they win. And that's why they were the most fraudulent number two team in the country because they had like <laughs> 17 turnovers through the first four games. It was wild, right? Um, and defensively, and then you go number two, defensively, we got to make them one-dimensional. We can't let them just run the football on my tail of the tape this week, I break down. They line up in a two tight end formation and they can run inside zone, outside zone, counter and power any direction they want because it's a balanced formation and they live in it. They love it. So being able to get them create negative plays on first and second down. And then number three, just enjoy the moment. I think that for a lot of these guys, young, old, it's the last game of the year. There's nothing really after this for 2021. Let it all hang loose. Enjoy your last moments as a senior in the stand er, in on the field or as a young guy, the last moments of 2021. Enjoy it, embrace it, and really just play all out. Just play all out. There's nothing left to, to hold on to anymore. Empty the tank. And I think if we can do that for 60 minutes, then we're going to give ourselves a chance to win this football game. It's crazy. I feel like we just started this right? podcast. I right? mean, this season has flown by. I feel like the first eight weeks went by like that. Yeah. And then it's kind of slowed up with the double bye weeks. But, man, I tell my wife, I was like, college football's over. Like, there's bowl games still. But, I mean, as far as turning on the TV on Saturday and just flipping through and everything, that is that is no more. All right. Call it right now. Who's going to be playing for a Big Ten title? Uh, it's going to be Wisconsin and Ohio State. And congratulations, Wisconsin. You've earned the consolation prize of getting waxed in Indianapolis <laughs> by Ohio State. All right. Yay, team. And you're smoking a tur you're smoking the turkey. I this think I'm going to smoke the turkey. I'm not sure. It's brining right now. I'm a little nervous. My wife got this turkey that's like 
way too large. It's a 20 pound turkey. I'm like, well, there's four of us. Like, what, what do we need for 20 pound turkey? But so be it. So I'm going to try, but I'm going to feast on Thanksgiving. I cannot wait. Well, if it turns out good, you might have to throw out the recipe the next time we uh, hop on this podcast. Deal. We've got, we'll have lots of news to follow and look out for. So we'll have Jeremiah back on soon uh, to kind of break down all of the new offensive yeah. coaches and, and signing day and all kinds of big stuff headed this way. So thanks for listening all season. And uh, Jeremiah will be on the call for this one uh, on the sidelines. And we've got Facebook Live coming up for you at uh, 11, 11 a.m. 11 a.m. No, so, 10. Kickoff is at noon. So it'll be 10 30. 10 30. 10 30. hard. 10 30. Well, it's just kind of a weird kickoff. <laughs> yeah, time, it's, not, so. it's not normal. 10 30. Some- we'll be on uh, for you at Facebook Live, taking you all throughout warm ups. Again, thanks for listening all season, and we'll be back soon enough. Go Big Red.